This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And now, here's your host of the Decoding Obesity podcast, Dr. Avishkar Sabarwal. Hi, friend. Welcome to this episode of Decoding Obesity. Exercise is essential for our overall health. But often our body puts limitations on how much exercise we can perform and what exercises we can perform. This is especially true for people in a larger body size. I have with me Michael Johnson. He has been a clinical exercise physiologist in the medical field for the past 11 years. He currently works in a weight management medical facility that takes a multidisciplinary approach to weight loss. His goal is to take the complication out of exercise and help everyone know that they can exercise. And I think that is very important. That's why we have you here, Michael. And I want to welcome him to the show to help us understand how he helps people in a larger body with respect to you know beginning exercise and continuing exercise. So welcome, Michael. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's so great to have you. So let's dive into this. You know, this is one thing that I feel a lot of people with obesity have inhibition about or have a difficult time, you know, understanding. When is the right time to kind of start exercising? You know, any time is the right time. I mean, kind of as soon as possible. What I found over the years working with people with larger bodies dealing with the disease of obesity is a lot of times we tend to overcomplicate exercise. And what I mean by that is when you think about exercise, a lot of times we think of things like, you know, flipping tractor tires and going to the gym and, and spending hours there and leaving when we're soaking wet. And that's just, that's not the case. That's not what it needs to be. Obviously, that can be effective, but not everyone is quite ready for that. But if we can just get started as soon as we can, and usually what I challenge people to do when they're first starting off is I just need you to do more than what you're currently doing. And that, that's as simple as that. And that can look very different for a lot of people. You know, some people, maybe they're already walking for 30 minutes a day. Other people, maybe they can barely stand for 20 seconds. So everyone's going to be a little bit different when it comes to exercise or physical activity. So short answer, as soon as possible, it's just going to look different compared person to person. Yeah, I think that's important to understand. But Michael, you know, when we start this thing or when somebody starts, say, a weight loss journey, I feel that at least I've personally felt this myself that, you know, there's a phase of analysis paralysis almost like what to do. And there are 10,000 options available. Even with exercise, there are 10,000 options available. And, you know, you should do this. And then you should do these many days of resistance training and this and that. So how do you help patients understand and decide what exercises to really start doing? So what I'll do is I will, like I just mentioned, challenge them to do more than what they're currently doing. That's going to be their first step. So maybe that can be doing 20 laps around your kitchen table every time you get up to do something. Or maybe it's doing 10 chair stands. You sit down, you stand up. You sit down, you stand up. And so on. One of the popular things that I have implemented with my patients who are just getting started is something called a TV tax or like a reading a book tax or a video game tax or something like that. 
meaning you have to pay the tax before you do something that you enjoy doing or something that's relaxing for you. So for instance, if you're going to watch a program on Netflix or whatever, you have to do something. Like I said, 20 laps around your kitchen table. You don't get to hit next episode until you've paid that exercise tax. You go downstairs, you come right back up or something like that. Or if you're playing your video game, you don't get to respawn until you've paid your tax. And then we do that for a few weeks just to kind of get started, getting your body ready for exercise, moving, getting the blood flowing, getting yourself used to using your muscles. And then I, what I challenge people to do is start to work on some type of a routine. And I don't care what this routine looks like. I mean, I want it to be some type of regimented set aside time for exercise. So maybe it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm going to do this for 10 minutes. And whatever that is, maybe it's walking around your neighborhood. Maybe it's doing some type of chair yoga or a stretching routine or some type of resistance training routine. I just don't want to overcomplicate it. I don't want you worrying about, is it chest day and back day? I just want to get you moving, get you using your muscles, and then getting into a routine. And then, once we establish that, then we can kind of break down and get into the nuts and bolts of exercise as far as, uh, you know, getting your cardio going, getting your strength training going, because they all play an, an important role in your success and throughout your journey. So, you know, Michael, that's great. But when people start exercising, a lot of times, I mean, a lot of times we do it for a lot of things that we tend to overestimate our own abilities at times, right? And yes. I mean, I've seen that happen to myself. And you overestimate, but when you start doing it and you don't reach your goal, you get deflated. And it gets very confusing at that time, like what is the right time and how much should I be doing in a day to kind of get the maximum benefit from it? So what do you do with that? I have a philosophy of always starting off very slow. And especially with people who aren't used to moving or doing exercise, what I'll do is it is going to be some trial and error for with a lot of people. I mean, some people are going to overdo it. We just have to learn from that and realize that the next time we do it, we need to scale it back a little bit. So something that you might be familiar with is the two-hour pain rule. The two-hour pain rule states if you're in more pain two hours after you exercise than you were before you started, you overdid it. And it doesn't mean that you get the free pass to not exercise. It just means that the next time you do it, we need to bring it back or bring the intensity down or cut the time in half and see how our body responds. The example that I usually give is, let's say you decide that your exercise that you're going to do is walking a track, like in an indoor track, outdoor track, doesn't matter. And you decide to go for 30 minutes, but you haven't been walking for exercise for years. And at the time, you feel pretty good, but then you pay for it the rest of the night or maybe into the next day. Give yourself a day to recover and then get right back into it. But instead of going for a half an hour, go for 10 minutes and see how your body responds. I'm always going to err on the side of safety. I'm always going to take the more conservative route when it comes to exercise, especially when we're first starting off. And it is going to be challenging for some people who have that all or nothing. <laughs> Yeah, mentality <laughs> when they think, well, if I'm not, like I said before, flipping tractor tires and spending hours at the gym, it's just not worth my time. But that's not the case. It is worth your time. And if we start off slow and slowly increase our progress, the safer it's going to be, the more we're actually going to enjoy it, and the more long-term success we're going to have.
I'm sure that you, some of your listeners, been out there, have started an exercise routine and been all in, and we've done way too much, and then we can't go upstairs for three days, and we just say, I'm not going to do it anymore. That wasn't worth it. Right. So that's why we need to start off on that conservative level and really take that slow approach to it. So then no pain, no gain doesn't really hold true over here, right? (laughs) Right. I will often say when I'm meeting with patients or when I'm teaching a class that if you've heard of the no pain, no gain, we don't listen to people that say that. (laughs) (laughs) We change it to no pain for maximum gain. That's a good way to put it. That's one thing that I harp on a lot is pain because that is something that larger body people tend to deal with. They tend to have more pain. And I will always say to never push through additional pain. And what I mean by additional pain is let's say you're dealing with joint pain or back pain or hip pain or knee pain or something like that. And that pain is, say, always on a three on the pain scale. If you can do your exercise and stay at a three on the pain scale, then that's appropriate. But as soon as you get to that four, that's when you need to stop or bring that intensity down to where you're back at that three level that you started at. But when we ignore that pain signal, we're just causing more inflammation later. We're tearing up our body. So we need to listen to our body when it comes to pain. Right. So, Michael, we are also often confused about the fact whether we need to actually increase the duration of exercise first or the intensity of exercise first. And what is your approach to that, especially, you know, people who are starting out and are especially in a larger body? What would be your approach first? Again, a lot with exercise, it's going to vary person to person. So, you know, whether we increase intensity or duration, well, can you increase intensity without causing that extreme soreness for three or four days? Can we do it without increased pain? Then let's increase the intensity. If not, maybe we can increase the, the duration of exercise as opposed to the intensity of it. So I think it really has to be individualized to so the person who's really doing it, kind of see and following them along to see how they're doing and you know what their body's actually capable of doing at that time and what they can do later. Right, exactly. You mentioned in the beginning, I work with a multidisciplinary team. So I work with providers, you know, doctors, advanced practice nurses, and dietitians. And I will often say that exercise is a much different animal when I'm meeting with patients because a dietitian can come in and say, you know, your hydration goal is 64 ounces. And so is the next person they see. And so is the next person. I will often explain exercise to patients like everyone is, we're like combination locks. So If you think back to when you were in high school or middle school, you had those lockers with the combinations. There's hundreds and thousands of different lockers in the school, and not one of them has the same combination. And it's going to be the same with everyone with exercise. We have to find that combination that works for you. And maybe that combination is I'm going to work out at home using resistance bands two or three days a week where someone else you know, they're going to go to the gym five or seven days a week and work with weight machines and do exercise classes. It's going to be very different. It's going to be very individualized. So exercise, I will often say to my coworkers that they have the easy job. I'm the one that has to figure everything out. (laughs) So Michael, you know, a lot of times, obviously life comes in our way, right? And we are stuck with things. And if we're not on a routine, 
I think a lot of times we kind of leave stuff because we're like, it's not regimented. It's not happening, say, five times a week. And it's just happened two times a week this week. So I don't want to do this anymore because it's not worth it. What do you say to that? I would say that the worst type of exercise to do is none at all. If all you can give me is two days a week, I'm going to take two days a week and we're going to get the best out of it that we can. You mentioned routine. That's going to be one of the harder things to establish. When I teach classroom class on exercise, I put that on the board and I just point to it and I say, establish a routine. It's a lot easier said than done, but it was very easy for me to write up on the screen. And again, we have to find that combination for your combination lock. What does your routine look like? How's it going to work? A big barrier for patients that I deal with is they say time. I don't have the time for exercise. So I'll offer a couple of solutions. Some of them are going to work for some people. Some of them aren't. Some of it's mind change. You know, this is something that I will suggest is to people say when they come home from work, the last thing they want to do is exercise. And I get it. That's, I guess I should say this also. I will often start when I meet a patient first to tell them that I'm an exercise physiologist who also, I don't like to exercise. I do it, but I don't like to do it. <laughs> so I very much understand where people are. It's hard to find that motivation to do something that you don't like. Right. But a lot of times it's exercise is the answer what people are looking for or what they're missing in their routine. But when we change our mindset, you know, we come home from work and the last thing we want to do is exercise. I ask them, just give it a shot once or twice to change that mindset and say, I'm not home yet. I'm not home until I've done 10 minutes of my exercise, whatever that is. Maybe it's going downstairs and you have a recumbent bike downstairs, or maybe you have a chair routine for chair yoga or something like that. Once you've completed that, then you're home then you can start putting your groceries away. Again, that's not going to work for everybody, but it might work for some people. Right. Other people, they live and die by their calendar. And sometimes we just might have to schedule exercise into our calendar. If you start to notice, you know, two days a week, I have this block of 10 or 15 minutes where I can kind of fit something in. And maybe it's just working around your workplace. A lot more people now are even working from home. We can, right. if nothing else, there's a lot of things that we can do around the house that we don't even realize. Like I've already mentioned a few of them, Right. the laps around the table, the going outside. One person says every time they stand up, they have to touch every doorknob in the room before they can sit back down. It's just getting more activity and finding that time to do it. Right. And, you know, we've been talking about time. So what's the minimum time that somebody should be accessing? Because a lot of times, you know, if you don't have a 15 minute window and we just have say five minutes, is that enough to begin and say, we have the five minutes between different meetings that we have to go to. I'm just giving an example. Is that, sure. are those five minutes, do they do those five minutes count? Absolutely. Those five minutes count. And that's another thing that I found is people will say, it doesn't seem like that's worth my time to do. So the example that I give is a lot of people have that change jar in their house where they, you know, they come home and they empty their change into that jar. At the time, you know, maybe it's seven cents and they throw it in. Seven cents isn't going to get you much. But when you go to empty it at the end of the year, that change jar is really added up. And all of a sudden you have, you know, maybe $100 or $200 in there. And it's the same concept with exercise. The worst thing you can do is nothing. So if you can give me five minutes, maybe three times a day, that's 15 minutes that you weren't getting before you started. That's going to add up over time. So even a minute counts, right? So every minute is important. So whatever time you're not doing anything, if you start exercising, that'll add up throughout the day. 
Yes, absolutely. Now, again, this is kind of for people who are just getting started. If you're someone who's just been kind of marching in place in their chair for five years every time they get a minute, yeah, that's going to be good, but it probably won't help them achieve what they're wanting out of it. Right. So we do have to keep that in mind. If we're just getting started, yes, this is, you know, one minute, it, that's going to be a great way to just get that started going. So I think it's like a stepping stone. You start here and then what's the next step? And so then you go to the next step and then you go to the next step. It's kind of something to Correct. at least get you started. Right, right. That's the hardest part too, is, a is finding that time to get that routine going. And then once we get the routine going, now here's the other part too. You don't have to have gym memberships and expensive equipment at home to be successful. And sometimes people will say that's a barrier for them too. People don't necessarily all like to work out at gyms and they think that's their only option. So we do have to explore other options and also. Right, right. And so what are the, some of the do's and don'ts that, that people should really watch out for, especially, you know, people in a larger body, just the way their body physics is, just the way their weight is, and, you know, just the way their body shape is. What are some of the things that they should look out for? And what are the, some of the things that they can do to at least start, you know, exercising even at home? Sure. Probably the most important thing is starting off slow and listening to your body. Especially for people in larger bodies, like you said, it does put a little more stress on their joints and when we're doing exercise. So we need to start off slow. We need to listen to our body cue and make the proper adjustments for it. And what I mean by proper adjustments, you know, a lot of times people will, like, if I'll say, I want you to do something with your legs, like a lunge, they'll look at me like I just said a four-letter word, which I understand. I'll say, well, let's take it back. Maybe let's not do a lunge, but maybe let's just kind of do a forward stepping motion where we step forward and just bend the knee. We don't need to go all the way down. Just bend the knee and come right back up. We're still working the muscles. We're just not putting that stress on the joint. Same thing with, you know, like a body weight squat. We're squatting down. We're not going all the way down. We're just bending the knees and coming up, bending the knees and coming up. So we need to make those proper adjustments. And that's what I mean when I say proper adjustments. It also, another thing, uh, do on your do's and don'ts would be something, you know, do something that you enjoy. I mean, if you're planning on starting an exercise routine and you're planning on buying a treadmill for your exercise, but you hate walking on a treadmill, that's a bad idea. It's going to be very easy to say no to exercise. Another thing is I will encourage people to think outside the box when it comes to exercise. We're living in an age right now where virtual reality is becoming very popular and that will work you. That will, that will <laughs> give you a lot of exercise. That's going to move your body. I have a 13-year-old son, and he has virtual reality gaming set, and I was watching him play it one day, and I couldn't believe just the movement that this kid was doing. And I thought to myself, I need to start incorporating this to, <laughs> in my presentations and when I talk to people, you know, because I wasn't thinking outside of the box on that. Right. There's also other video games now that are very interactive. The Nintendo Switch has something, I think it's called the Ring Fit Adventure. I'm not, I'm not well versed with video games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not either, but like I said, I have a 13-year-old son who, <laughs> who has all this stuff. So. And so I've started looking, exploring it a little bit more and myself thinking outside the box. And I played with some of these and it is a workout and it, it is fun. It doesn't feel like exercise. I think kind of that first gaming system that had the exercise that, you know, that I can remember was the Wii Fit, yeah. which some people still have that and it's still effective. So it might not seem like exercise, but that is something that I encourage people to do is kind of think outside the box, do something that you enjoy. 
another thing is explore fitness apps. There's a lot of really good apps out there. If it's okay for me to recommend one, sure. I don't get any kickback on this or anything, but I should for as much as I recommend it. It's <laughs> called the Fit On app, F-I-T-O-N. What I really like about it is it's free. I don't like to recommend apps that aren't free. And it starts at all fitness levels. So there's beginners, intermediate, and there's advanced. You know, you could start with an eight-minute before-bed yoga routine. If you're just looking to just get started to block off that time, those two or three days a week of exercising, but you don't want to do that hour-long high-intensity interval training class, you don't have to. Just a, a restorative yoga class for 10 minutes, that's a great way to just carve out that time for exercise. And then after you've kind of done that for a few weeks, maybe go on to the intermediate yoga or to a beginner strength training or a beginner like aerobics course that they might offer. But there's a lot of apps out there, but Fit On is one of my favorite ones. And I've gotten some great feedback from the patients that I recommend that to. And that's great. I think I'll probably see if they're, do they have a website that I can leave on my show notes for my listeners? I guess I don't know if they have a website. I know it's an app that you can download. It's F-I-T-O-N? Yes. F-I-T-O-N. Okay. Yeah, you can download it directly to certain smart TVs. I know oh, like wow. Apple TV, Roku TV, you can download it directly to your TV and follow it along there as well. That, that's great. That's great to know. But the other thing is, Michael, when people start exercising, of course, you know, with the body habitus, there are certain challenges that come with, especially with exercising, right? So what are some of the things that you've seen in your patients complain or mention to you that somebody with that kind of a body habit should be wary of before they're starting and, and what are the ways that they can prevent, you know, some of these challenges that people face? So one thing that I see a lot is overdoing it and causing injury. And that's kind of where the warming up, the cooling down, the stretching, those are kind of things people don't like to do when it comes to exercise because they don't feel like it's distributing directly to their results. And it's so important to warm up. And what I mean by warm up, it's not like you need to be doing jumping jacks and stuff like that. Maybe it's just kind of marching in place and moving the arms a little bit and doing some light stretching just to kind of get the blood flowing and get it ready for exercise. Stretching is often overlooked. And what I've seen with a lot of people when it comes to stretching, what they do wrong or could improve upon is they don't hold stretches long enough. You know, I'm sure you've seen that you maybe you stretch it, you know, just a couple of stretches here and then over here. Yeah, it felt good for a second, but in order for it to be effective, we really need to hold that stretch for 10 to 30 seconds. Oh, wow. And when you think about it, if you think about that, if you're holding a stretch, you know, for 20 seconds, 20 seconds is a long time, but that's how you're going to be the most effective when it comes to stretching. And this is something I always will bring up. It's in every single one of my presentations. This is something that people mess up on is don't overcomplicate the exercise. <laughs> I see it all the time. Like you said, the paralysis by analysis, that's exactly what happens. We psych ourselves out before we even get started. So this, our whole talk has pretty much been about just getting started, getting moving, don't overthink it. But that's what I see the most of is people overcomplicated. Like I will see people once a month for five months going through an educational program. And it seems like every time they're just like, well, I didn't get started because it's just too much stress on my, on my knees to do this at the gym. And I'm like, I don't even need you to go to the gym. I just want you to get started with some type of movement, some type of exercise. 
So I think um, uh, what I'm understanding is that, you know, even though we have a huge host, a huge plethora of uh, these online programs available and, you know, these fitness programs you can download, you can you can join and a lot of, you know, gym uh, gyms have a lot of classes and this and that. It's really about when, especially when you're starting, it's not necessary to kind of, uh, it, there's no one size that's going to fit everybody. And, and you know, it's, it's not that one is, you know, the best there is. Um, it's really about just getting started and gradually building on that. Correct. Yes, I, I really wish it was one size fits all. It would make my job a lot easier. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun, Michael. Do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners? No, just get started. Don't overcomplicate it. I can't stress that enough. And remember, no, uh, no pain for maximum gain. No pain for maximum gain and every minute counts. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Michael, for joining me. This has been a great discussion. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I'll see you all next time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Decoding Obesity podcast. Please remember, the information in this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests and do not constitute medical advice. Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com for show notes and more info. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.